You are listening to the Innovators Behind Disruption, a podcast series brought to you by Evolve ETFs. The world is evolving. Your investments should too. Hi there, this is Raj Lal, and I'm joined by Duma Wenchu, who's the co-founder and CEO of Province Brands, which is a highly disruptive Toronto-based startup uh, in, of course, Canada's uh, legal cannabis industry. Duma's emerged as one of the leading voices in this burgeoning uh, cannabis industry, so thank you very much for taking the time today, Duma. Well, thank you for having me. It's an, it's an honor to be here. So uh, let's talk a little bit about your company uh, before, actually maybe even going before that, uh, before you founded uh, Province Brands, you were co-founder, I think, of a Colorado-based cannabinoid research uh, company. Um, Correct. And then, of course, Province Brands products uh, offer really a, an alternative to uh, to alcohol. So maybe you can describe the company's vision, the value proposition, and, of course, uh, the product uh, that you guys are creating right now. Oh, absolutely. What we're doing is incredibly groundbreaking. We are uh, brewing the world's first beers that are actually brewed from the cannabis plant. Uh, and we're actually using cannabis as our starting material in place of barley. And uh, uniquely, we are patent pending on this process of brewing beers from the cannabis plant. So, you know, I, I, I can't say anything more than the truth, which is that I, I had a really crazy idea that it would be phenomenal if we could have a beer uh, that was actually made from cannabis. And uh, I really love beer and I really love cannabis, and uh, I, I, but I don't know how to grow cannabis and I don't know how to brew beer. So I, I didn't really know anything about this. Uh, fortunately, I found, it, I, I found a, a co-founder and a partner in the company who had spent many years uh, in the alcohol industry, but uh, you know he was sort of on the wrong side of the alcohol industry in the in the spirits side of the business, and uh, so we had to figure out how to brew a beer, and we set off on a, a really crazy uh, trip where we we flew around and, and visited with really some of the top master brewers from around the world, and and you know took meetings with them and, and said, hey, can you help us? We want to brew a beer from cannabis, and. You know, we were laughed out of the room a couple times. I mean, what people would say to us is, it's impossible. You can't do it because to make a beer, you need to, something to ferment. You know, you need to ferment the carbohydrates or, or to make sugars, uh, and then you can ferment the sugars. And, and how are you going to do that from cannabis? Because it doesn't have a, a, any carbohydrates to speak of. It's not like barley, which is a grain. Uh, but we didn't let that stop us, and we ended up developing our own process uh, that actually uses parts of the cannabis plant, which are, are really not used for anything at all. So our beers are brewed from the stalks, the stems, and the roots of the cannabis plant. And, you know, as you may have, uh, may know, here in Canada, we have hundreds of millions of square, fruit, square feet excuse me, of cultivation coming online over the next few years. And all of these growers, are, they're just harvesting the flower at the top of the plant. Maybe they take some of the leaves to make some oil, uh, but the rest of the plant, you know, they can't throw it away. It's a it's a controlled substance. You can't incinerate it because, you know, someone might walk by the incinerator and, and get high. Uh, and so there are sort of a, an industry that's come up around uh, licensed disposal companies to dispose of these perfectly good uh, parts of the cannabis plant uh, that, that we actually are using to brew our beer. Uh, so it's, it's a really unique process we've made, uh, we've developed, and again, we are patent pending on the process and the formulation, and, and assuming those patents are approved, uh, we believe that we will own this entire category of beer brewed from cannabis, whether it's 
brewed from hemp or marijuana, either type of cannabis, and we, we are intending to make beers uh, with both different types of beers, one, one with hemp, one with marijuana. Uh, and uh, whether it is, uh, you know, alcohol-free, most of our products are, are non-alcoholic and designed to uh, intoxicate using marijuana or its phytocannabinoids, or whether it maybe is made from hemp and, and does contain alcohol. Uh, obviously, we would never make a product that would mix marijuana and alcohol. We don't think you need both. And uh, we're in the business of, of really creating uh, products that are designed to be a safer and healthier alternative to alcohol. That is the, the vision uh, and the mission, and that's what gets me up out of bed every morning. That's great. So can you describe what it tastes like? Uh, I can, and, and hopefully soon you'll be able to, to, to try one yourself. Uh, the beer is, is uh, dry. Uh, it, it's not sweet. You have a white wine. Familiar with a sweet white wine versus a dry white wine. This is definitely a dry beer flavor. It is a you know it has sort of a savory, uh, sort of a nutty flavor to it. Uh, it. It is a bit hard to describe because while it tastes like cannabis, uh, it does not taste like smoking a joint. Uh, okay. And in fact, the, the 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 most similar cannabis flavor that you might find to our beer uh, would be found in in any of the many hemp beers that are on the market, right? So, in, in, you know, New Belgium just launched one called the Hemperer. Uh, there are hemp beers uh, in pretty much, you know, every country now it seems like. It's a, it's a growing style of beer. But those beers are very different from what we make. Those are beers that are brewed from barley or, or some kind of grain and infused uh, with uh, toasted hemp seeds later on in the process. Um, but the, pro- the, the product that we produce uh, which is made entirely differently. It's made by actually fermenting and brewing cannabis. The product that we produce tastes more similar to the sort of flavor of those toasted hemp seeds in that beer uh, than it does to sort of smoking a, a marijuana joint. Got it. So um, obviously, obviously in October we have legalization kicking in, uh, but a lot of people are not aware that legalization does not kick in for the, uh, I guess, infused beverages or, or edibles until the following year. So basically at this point, I think it's going to be, correct me if I'm wrong, October 2019 um, when it's legalized. I'm a big believer that that next wave of growth of edibles and, and infused beverages uh, could be bigger than, uh, than, than the current legalization that's pending. What's your thoughts? I'm, I'm guessing you would agree with me to, to, to an extent because that's the business that you're focused on, but maybe you can <laughs> share some of your thoughts on that. Uh, I, I would agree with you, not to an extent, I would agree with you fully, uh, 100% agree with you. And, uh, you know, that is the reason that this is a business I'm focused on is because I wanted to build a business in sort of the largest uh, sector of cannabis. And, you know, what, what amuses me is that it took people so long to figure this out. I mean, it, it really should have been obvious from the beginning. I mean, you know, when I got into the cannabis industry, I used to be in the video game industry, when I entered cannabis in 2013, the question that, that everybody was asking is what is going to win this cannabis format wars? You know, they would call it the format wars. You know, is it going to be a vapor pen? Uh, is it going to be a pill? Is it going to be gummy bears? You know, uh, and, and now, especially after last week's uh, you know, investment by, by Constellation Brands of, of, of five million, five billion, excuse me, Canadian dollars into the industry following a, a $245 million investment they had made uh, earlier. You know, it is quite clear uh, that beverages uh, have won and I believe will continue to win the cannabis format wars. 
uh, and the dominant delivery mechanism for cannabis in the future will be a beverage. Uh, but again, it's, it's, it's just surprising that, that people didn't see it before because when you think about it, there are three legal psychoactive uh, substances for recreational purposes in our world, right? You got caffeine, uh, tobacco, and alcohol. And two of those three are consumed as beverages, and the third nobody does anymore. So it's, you know, that's how we like to consume our psychoactives. We like to drink them. Uh, you can do it socially after, after work with the friends. You can do it over dinner. You can, you can drink it while watching the sports game. You don't have to step outside. You don't have to learn a complicated uh, vaporizer or any of those things. So uh, to me, it seems very clear, and Canada being the global leader uh, in the cannabis industry has really embraced beverages. You know, we've got a Hill Street beverage, which is a publicly traded company right now that their stock's been doing pretty well recently. Uh, we've got Molson Coors partnering up with Hydropothecary, uh, and we have um, uh, Constellation and, and Canopy. Uh, so, so a lot, sorry, a lot of the big action happening here in the uh, cannabis industry in, in, in Canada is now focused on beverages. Yeah, so let's talk about that. You mentioned, obviously, Molson teaming up with Hydropothecary and, of course, Constellation, the big news last week, furthering their relationship with, with uh, Canopy. Are there any barriers to entry uh, in this space? You also mentioned that you have patent pending, so I would imagine that's definitely one, one barrier. But what's your view of how this space is going to grow and how many entrants will uh, enter in uh, to the market? Yeah, I'm going to answer your question in three parts. Uh, I hope I remember all three. So the, you know, barriers to entry, well, there's a reason why it's taken so long for, uh, cannabis beverages to come to the forefront. You know, it, it, why this is sort of a thing that's happening now in, in 2018 and, and sort of the era of cannabis 2.0, we like to call it, or, or maybe cannabis 3.0, we'll see. Um, you know, it, it's because it's complicated. Uh, to make a beverage, and people tend to do the easy things first. You know, smoking marijuana is very easy. Uh, making a beverage is hard for, for sort of two reasons. One, you know, when cannabis is metabolized, it, you know, through your uh, liver, it, 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 it takes a long time to, to get there and to go through your liver, you know, which is what happens when you drink it, and then eventually to get back to your brain. So, so there's an onset time problem uh, with edible cannabis. You know, it could take a, an hour to an hour and a half for you to feel the fix to the effect from the time that you first drink it. And that's not super commercial, right? I mean, imagine you go to your drinks, you, you order a cannabis drink, you finish the meeting, you drive home, and then it starts to hit you in the car on the way home, right? That's, that's not a lot of market for products if it takes so long for you to feel the effect. Uh, there's also a, a, uh, a duration of effects problem. You know, consuming a marijuana beverage, even a single dose, uh, could keep you intoxicated for six hours or more, which is a, you know, a really long time. And, and there's also a problem of the, just the, the qualitative aspects of the sensation. You know, a, a marijuana beverage uh, is going to give you, a, a, you know, a, a normal marijuana beverage can give you a certain type of a high, you know, more of a body high, less of a head high. And folks who enjoy that head high that you get from smoking marijuana may not enjoy that. I mean, some people like it more, but, but in general, people may not enjoy it as much or they may find it different than the high sensation you would get from, from smoking marijuana or vaping it or inhaling it in any way that bypasses first-pass metabolism. So, so, you know, from a technical perspective, there's a lot of challenges associated with making a marijuana beverage, and you have to find solutions for them. So there's a fair amount of science that goes into making great marijuana beverages. 
on the one hand, that is a barrier to entry. You have to know how to do those things. It's not as simple as just pouring uh, some marijuana into some into a beverage or into some water, and it's automatically going to work right. Uh, you know, another barrier to entry is just the cost. You know, and marijuana is coming out of an illegal industry uh, where, you know, you have to be worried about the cops, and, and you know, bottling lines are expensive. Uh, and if you look into the specific subsector of the beverage industry that we're in, which is the beer industry, you know, a, a brewing setup, a brewery, is, is very expensive, right? So the cost is sort of a barrier to entry uh, for folks. And then, you know, another barrier to entry, we, we brew beer from cannabis, so, so this doesn't particularly apply to us, but a lot of folks have been talking about making a, a non-alcoholic beer not brewed from cannabis, but instead brewed from barley and infusing it with the marijuana oil. And, and that process of infusing, you know, typically involves making a beverage, and then after the beverage is more or less made, it's finished, sort of dropping in some marijuana oil. And uh, beer in particular can oxidize, right? You, you, beer and oxygen do not mix. That's why beer has to be bottled in a, a very specific way, and it, it has to be sort of uh, in an environment where it doesn't touch oxygen from the time it's fermented to the time you drink it. Uh, so the idea of, of making an infused beer has certain technical challenges, right? You have to figure out a way to, to infuse that beer in such a way that it won't, uh, you know, that it won't actually contact oxygen. Uh, so that's equipment that needs to be designed uh, for the purpose. And, and so, yes, it is extremely challenging. There are a lot of barriers to entry. Now, what we do at Province, I think, is, is unique in the world where we have developed the technology to actually mash and ferment the cannabis plant, uh, and the barriers to entry to that are are much larger than the barriers to entry to, to making a marijuana beverage or making a marijuana beer. Uh, the barriers to entry to do something like what we do, you know, firstly, it's it's extremely complicated to figure out how to to even get something that you could ferment from the cannabis plant because it doesn't have you know, free carbohydrates or grains or, or sugar or any of that stuff. So it's a, there's a challenge there. Uh, so there's technical challenge. And, and, in fact, the way we figured out how to do it, the equipment, you know, has not been made. So we have to effectively design new equipment to, to do this uh, process of, of brewing and fermenting beer. And, and then, you know, for others who might want to do it, the, the real um, – the real moat, the real, the real technical roadblock is, is the intellectual property. So we have applied for patents on not just the process of brewing a beer from the cannabis plant, but also on the formulation. Uh, and we believe if, if these patents are approved, that we'll basically own this entire category, as I mentioned before, of beer brewed from, from cannabis, whether it's hemp or marijuana and whether it's non-alcoholic or whether it contains alcohol. Uh, so, so we believe the uh, IP protection uh, that those patents will provide, uh, assuming they're approved, will be very, very valuable. So how big do you estimate this market to be um, in Canada? Because I'm assuming that, you know, uh, the export potential of this until, of course, other countries uh, um, actually adopt legalization from a, a recuse perspective uh, is potentially limited, but actually maybe you could t comment on it, the U.S. opportunity there. But how big is the market here in Canada for that? Well, let's let's talk about export before I answer your second question about the market. I think Canada is becoming, and maybe it already is, the, the, the leader in cannabis export globally. Uh, and th there's no reason why beverages like ours can't be exported to a large number of medical marijuana markets, right? There are many markets around the world where if your doctor prescribes you cannabis, it basically gives you a pass to either 
you know, purchase cannabis online or to go into a dispensary and purchase cannabis, but typically the doctor doesn't prescribe you like two, you know, two pills of certain type of cannabis medicine, you know, that doesn't really exist. So, so in, in any market which allows beverages, and of course there are some like Germany that, that don't allow beverages, but in any medical marijuana market that, that does allow beverages uh, and in which the doctor, you know, really gives you a pass to consume cannabis as opposed to a, a prescription for a specific product, uh, in all those markets, our beverages would be allowed, as would any cannabis beverage. And, and of course, we are making great strides toward, towards uh, figuring out how to get our products in, into Europe, uh, and, and hopefully we'll be selling in Europe, uh, you know, in the very near future in, in certain of these medical marijuana markets. Now, something else that it, it really seems apparent from, from the trips I've done to Europe and the folks I've spoken to, it does seem like some of these countries are going to uh, you know, accelerate their legalization plans for recreational products. And, uh, you know, it, it does seem like the, the next countries to legalize after, uh, Canada will be, will be European countries. And we may see even some European countries allowing beverages for recreational purposes and edibles for recreational purposes even sooner than they're allowed in Canada, meaning there may be some countries that come online, uh, sort of between now and October of 2019. Uh, in, in, you know, overseas that, that allow uh, recreational cannabis. So these are really exciting things to track. Now, in terms of how big is the market, I mean, it's hard to say, right? Um, uh, the, the, there was that Deloitte study, which I'm sure you're familiar with, that, that sort of forecast a $22.6 billion uh, marijuana market in Canada. How much of that is going to go to beverages? It's anyone's guess. And, and there, the data that's out there is is misleading at best because, you know, at the end of the day, the types of cannabis beverages that are on the market in places like the United States and Europe, you know, really don't compare sort of qualitatively to the types of cannabis beverages that are coming online. You know, if your only choice is a, a 400-calorie soda pop that's going to take an hour and a half for you to feel the effect and keep you high for six hours, you're probably not going to buy too many of them. But but the moment that there's sort of a, a premium 40-calorie beer online that uh you know available that um you know that, that does hit you quickly and, and and you know has a better dose response curve i think we'll see a lot more people buying those so it's it's hard to sort of draw comparisons from the the sales of today's current cannabis beverages as to what that future market might be like so we're in the etf business and we also have a cannabis uh etf and you know one of the challenges we often have is uh we're not one of the big brands uh that exist out there how important is brand recognition? Do you think going to be in your in your business? Um, obviously, it sounds like your 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 goal is to make a better product than perhaps the bigger brands. A little bit similar to our strategy as well. But how how are you going to be able to get market share when you look at you know companies like Constellation and 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 Molson who are uh, marketing and brand machines? You know, I it's it's funny um, success. And recognition in one industry doesn't always uh, equate to success and recognition in another industry. And sometimes it can work against you. Uh, you know, I'll give an example from my previous life. You know, we used to be in the video game industry, and every so often you'd have a big Hollywood celebrity who, you know, maybe an actor who believed that if they sort of put their name on a, a video game, it would become a huge success. And, you know, that's, that, that never, ever works uh, because – you know, the gamers don't care about the big Hollywood name. The gamers care about the gameplay. And right. 
uh, you know, the celebrity isn't going to make a game with bad gameplay any better, right? And, uh, you know, that's that's not what we're looking for. And and sometimes it actually works against you because, you know, the sort of consensus in that industry would be like, oh, look, this game must be so crappy that they had to put the famous person on the cover to try to get you to buy it, you know? Uh, and, and the fact that someone's been very successful in making an alcohol product, you know, I don't think is necessarily – um, going to say that they're going to be extremely successful in making uh, a cannabis product or a cannabis beverage, and it, it may work against them. You know, cannabis grew out of this craft industry, and it was sort of – it was craft by, by force, not craft by design. You know, it, it, the, the growers initially were uh, – you know, they, what they were doing was illegal, and, and they, they couldn't have giant farms growing tons of cannabis. You know, they, they had to be small grows. And if they wanted to stand out amongst all the other people with small grows, they had to focus on quality. And and so there's this uh, appreciation amongst cannabis consumers for authenticity, uh, for that sort of craft mindset. And it seems that that sort of goes hand in hand with, you know, generally a distaste for the large corporate mass-produced uh, type of products. So, you know, are consumers necessarily going to, to prefer, uh, you know, cannabis consumers necessarily going to prefer that that well-known brand. That that may work against uh, the success of, of of some of those products in the same way that in many cases, you know, my old industry putting a you know movie celebrity on uh, in your video game may may work against the success of your of your video game. So it's not it's not cut and dry. Uh, I think that brand recognition is ex- extremely important. Uh, I think there are already some extremely well-known brands that have evolved sort of naturally. Uh, in in the cannabis industry, and some of them will continue to do very well. And, of course, I'm sure there will be several uh, brands from other industries that that, that do successfully cross into uh, cannabis, but I don't think one is an indicator of the other. So at Province, we've been focused very heavily on building a world-class brand that is uniquely our own. Uh, You know, we're developing a a great technology, which perhaps some of the larger brands might want to license for our technology. That that would be great, or, or any of our technologies, I suppose. Uh, but for our own products, they are, you know, they're unique. They, they are a brand. That brand stands for premium quality. And most importantly, that brand stands for authenticity. It stands for a product so you that, that, you know, is brewed from cannabis. You know, sorry. Sorry. Do you think that every alcohol company uh, is going to be involved in this industry at, at some point? I mean, you know, again, kind of relating back to our business, what we've seen is, you know, the ETF business is very small relative to the mutual fund business. So mm-hmm. a lot of mutual fund companies have decided to get into the ETF business, partly, I think, because of uh, FOMO, fear of missing out, uh, yep. making sure that they're they're hedged uh, appropriately or diversified. I'm looking right now at, you know, the big alcohol complexes like the Molsons and Constellations are now getting into the business, I suspect, because they want to diversify and maybe there's an element of, of FOMO in there. Uh, as well, do you think that every alcohol-related manufacturing company will be in this space? Uh, well, I mean, to look at your metaphor, I think you know ETFs are are are, are in a hard place, right? It's you know, my perspective, it's a much better product than a mutual fund. But the mutual fund companies have been making a lot of money off consumers' backs for so many years that they have a lot of money to sort of to to, to market and advertise and, and continue to make it harder for uh, sort of solo ETF companies to 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 do well and and. You know, in, in cannabis, we have a similar thing. You know, the, the, the cannabis companies that aren't funded the way the alcohol companies are. And so when these big alcohol companies get into the business, they can outspend. Uh, even if they have an inferior product, they can outspend and they can, they can sort of 
force their way into the consumer mind share. Uh, but, but your earlier question, do I think that all the alcohol companies are getting in? Certainly not all of them, and, and several of them still are, are a little bit afraid of the regulatory risk, especially if they're based in the United States. But enough of them are, uh, and, and, you know, without saying anything uh, that would be covered under a nondisclosure agreement, you know, we've been approached by, by many uh, extremely well-known alcohol companies who've just seen, you know, heard about our company one way or the other. Maybe they knew someone who went to a tasting or they read something uh, about us uh, in the news. And, and so we've had a lot of folks approaching us at Providence. And, and so there, there is probably a much larger appetite from these larger alcohol companies to get into cannabis than people might be thinking. Right. Well, this was great, Duma. I look forward to trying out your product uh, sometime in the future, and I wish you well with your, uh, with your business. Thank you. And the same to you. It's, a, it's an honor to be here, and thanks so much for thinking to ask me on. You have been listening to the Innovators Behind Disruption, a podcast series brought to you by Evolve ETFs. Remain educated. Be informed. Sign up for our newsletter and learn more at EvolveETFs.com.